0: Nick Barron is an illustration of modern day here in this church about what I'm talking about today. My sermon title is Moving Beyond Mere Christianity. And I borrowed the title of a book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. And do you know what connection that book has with my sermon? Absolutely none. I just like the title Mere Christianity because it applies today that we want to move everybody in this church beyond nominal Christianity. And that story today was that kind of movement from nominal religion to vital Christianity. And so it is that I'm turning to the Luke story, Luke chapter 24, of two guys walking on a road the day of Jesus' resurrection. And so I'm going to have you stand, if you will, to listen to the reading of this longer story. In fact, it's the second longest post-resurrection account of uh, Jesus' resurrection in the Gospels. The longest account is John chapter 21, when Jesus shows up, uh, the disciples are fishing. But here we are, and by the way, it's page 881 in the Pew Bible. And if you need a Bible, by all means, take that with you. We want you to have it as our gift Will it have your name on it? No, it won't. But we'd like you to have it nonetheless. If you need a Bible, feel free to take it. So here's the story. This is a true and actual story, the day of Jesus' resurrection. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, but Him they did not see. And He said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken! Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter in His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning Himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if He were going farther, but they urged Him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So He went in to stay with them. When He was at table with them, He took bread and blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized Him, and He vanished from their spirit or from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked to us on the road, while He opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. And they told what had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. You may be seated. You know what? Today I want to talk about how you get beyond religion to excitement in Jesus. And so the big idea of my sermon is an authentic encounter. There's a lot of kind of weak and lame encounters with Christ, but an authentic encounter with the risen Lord should make our hearts burn within us with enthusiasm, to use the language of verse 32, to burn. And a true encounter with the risen Christ should ignite our passion as a way of living. And so, I want to take this story of two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and I want us to look at six action steps. That if you will take any or all of those action steps, it will ignite passion for the risen Lord, and you will step out of nominal, mere Christianity and get to vitality in Him. So, here's the first action step move beyond familiarity with Christ to intimacy with Him. Move beyond familiarity with Christ to intimacy with him. Now probably these, three, these two disciples were three years with the Lord some way as he was teaching and on the hillsides and Cleopas and the unnamed disciple. And we don't have any indication in this text that they really had a personal relationship with him, that they knew him. In fact, the one verse 19 says that he was this mighty prophet and they probably followed him but they didn't know and have conversation with him personally. I find many people like that today, they have some knowledge of the Lord, they've been to church, they've opened the Bible from time to time, and they know there was a Jesus Christ who lived in Bethlehem and died on the cross and those kinds of things, but they don't know Him in a life-changing way. They've got familiarity, but no intimacy. It's like this. For 10 years, I took 15 different classes of men through a video series called Wild at Heart. And so on that video were eight sessions with five guys, eight days on a retreat. And these guys were John, Bart, Gary, Craig, and Morgan. Now I'll tell you, watching them for 15 times, I got very familiar with them. But guess what? They wouldn't know me from Adam. I have no intimacy with him, no relationship with them, just some familiarity and some knowledge. Now for me to enjoy their company, I would have to get to know them. And so it's so important that if you know the Lord in any way, you've got to move from familiarity to intimacy with him. And that involves a relationship. You've got to step in to a familiar relationship with him that moves to back and forth fellowship and intimacy. Now, how do you get that? When you realize that Jesus Christ needs to, first of all, be our Savior. To realize that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that He died in my place and rose again the third day for me. Not only to save me and deliver me from hell, but to walk in closeness as a friend. And so we have to move into this relationship with the Lord where not just knowing about Him, but this intimate friendship that will move us from strangers to lifetime journeymen on the road together and so, if you're going to ever move to passion for Christ, it has to move from something we know about him to a relationship. And that's what happened on the road to Emmaus. But there's a second action step that's so important, and they took it. Focus on God's will rather than on your own desires. One of the things we see here of these two guys, it is so much like this today among Christians, is that we think the Lord exists for us, that he might do our bidding and our will, rather than we existing for him and his pleasure and his will. So here they were, in verse 21. On this road, and they came up and they were crying to Jesus. We had hoped that he would be the one that would redeem Israel. In other words, we are tired of all this Roman oppression. We're tired of exorbitant taxes. We're tired of not having our own land as Jews. We're tired of being second-class citizens. And we thought Jesus would be the one to end the Roman rule and bring in his, his government so we could enjoy life. And it didn't happen. You know, when we think that life is about us and Jesus is so that we can be happy, we make a huge mistake. We become selfish. Christians we become consumer Christians and here they were occupied with what they wanted instead of who Jesus was and they missed him altogether because they wanted Messiah to do for them what they wanted rather than the will of Christ of God for Christ at that time and little has changed have you ever listened to most Christians pray it's all about Lord do this for me lord arrange this for me lord give me this lord make this happen lord heal that person and so much of it is about our will and our pleasure and what we want rather than about his will and his good pleasure and what he wants it wasn't the will of god for messiah to give them what they wanted at that time it was the will of god for Messiah to suffer. And then Messiah said, if I suffer, you will suffer too. And that didn't play out too well. And so to go beyond mere Christianity, we have to stop seeing Jesus as someone who's there to give us what we want. We must stop thinking that Jesus exists for us when the truth is we exist for him and his pleasure. He does not exist for ours. And so action step two, is coming to the place where Jesus was in the garden the night before he died. When he said to the Lord, please take this cup from me, but nevertheless, not what I want, but Lord, what you want, whatever is your will. That's when passion ignites because as long as we are focused on us, the Lord is just an errand boy and will get upset if he doesn't deliver. But here's a third action step that we see. Action step number three is accept the Bible as completely true, even if you don't understand it all. And I want you to know that unless you understand and believe the whole Bible from cover to cover as the Word of God, your heart will never really ignite with passion for the Lord Jesus. And we see that right here, these two disciples. They should have known that Jesus was alive, but they had a problem. And Jesus points it out. Is that they didn't believe all the scriptures. And so in verse 25, he says something that I'm going to interpret for you in English that it kind of means in Greek. He said to them, you numbskulls, you foolish, you should have known. You are dull of mind, he says. You know the Scriptures, but you don't believe everything that it says. And if they'd have believed all the Scriptures, they would have known exactly what happened the last three days. And they would have remembered the Word of Jesus as he spoke time and again when he would say, I've got to go to Jerusalem, and there I will suffer and die on a cross, and then I will be, I will be raised again the third day And it should not have been a surprise, but they didn't believe all of the Word of God. And you know, we live in a day where a lot of Christians in churches just like ours have a hard time believing all the Word of God. Science says this, and philosophers say that, and say, oh, that brings this into question here. And so we back off from the Scriptures, and we pick and choose what we believe, and we get rid of the difficult passages. And so what happens in churches is they stop believing in things like creation and hell and sin and miracles and prophecy. I want to tell you something. If you're ever going to come to true passion for Christ and true spiritual understanding, you've got to believe all of the Word of God, including difficult passages. And that's why Jesus called these two disciples foolish That's why they wouldn't recognize Him, because they didn't believe all that the Scripture said about Him. And you cannot be passionate about Christ unless you believe all of His Word. And the reality is, and you can read poll after poll, that there are so many Christians who don't know very much about the Bible, and so many Christians who don't believe all that the Bible says. And those Kinds of beliefs will lead one to be a mere Christianity Christian. Now, the last thing Jesus had in his mind was for his followers to doubt the Word of God. And to move beyond mere Christianity, we've got to make a commitment that Jesus knows what he's doing and he has told us the truth from cover to cover in the Word of God. And this is what we believe. And when we believe it with all our hearts, We will develop a passion for the Lord. Which leads me to action step number four. After you believe the scriptures from cover to cover, then you get under the teaching ministry of the Word. You get under the teaching ministry of the Word. Now, as I said before, these two disciples on the road to Emmaus were blind, and Jesus comes by them, and they didn't know what was going on. And so Jesus, it says, began to teach them. Now, I can't imagine the privilege of of listening to the Lord teach the Scriptures. But it says here that they taught All the things pertaining him from Moses to the prophets. And they came under the teaching ministry of the word by Jesus himself. And listen what they said when they had come under the word. And they understood it just a little bit later that night in verse 32. They said... Didn't our hearts burn within us when he opened up the scriptures? Their hearts became alive. They came under the word. They moved beyond mere Christianity, and their hearts were burning from the word for the word. And I just want you to know that if you're willing to come Sunday by Sunday and and listen to the preaching of the word and you want to hear the word preached with clarity under the Spirit's direction, your hearts will begin to burn as you understand the word brought to you as Jesus brought it to them. And there's something I want you to understand about the word of God. And Jesus points to it when he said, Through all the scriptures, he interpreted himself to them all of the bible from cover to cover is about the lord jesus christ so if you go into genesis you find him there if you go into even leviticus you find him there if you go into the prophets you find him there and when you come under the word of god you learn to find jesus wherever you go and when you find him there your heart begins to burn within you and the reality is unless the bible is a big part of your life, and you come under the teaching ministry, basically, you'll be a nominal Christian. And we got to get beyond mere Christianity to hearts that burn, and your hearts begin to burn when you come under the teaching and preaching ministry of the anointed Word of God. But there's another step they took, and I want you to see this. Step number five is they let Jesus become the host of their lives. Become the host of your life. What does that mean? They turned over control to him. They let him take charge of their life. How do, you do, how do they do that? Look at the story. It was nightfall when the two uh, disciples arrived at home and they realized that it wouldn't be good for Jesus to walk into the night. They said, come on, spend the night. And Jesus said, okay, I'll come in. And they decided to get some things together and make a meal. And they had all the things spread at the table when Jesus did something very unusual. He sat down at the head of the table and took charge of the meal in the host's home. Now, in my home, we have a nice dining room, and my chair is kind of the end of the table, and Marie makes the stuff in the kitchen. She's a good cook, and we have people over. And suppose you came over to our house, and it was time to eat, and we went to the dining room, and you took my chair. And when you took my chair, you started to boss everybody around and say, okay, take the meal, pass it to your left and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And by the way, give me the bread. And when I get the bread, I want to pray over it and and let you know that our fellowship is so good. And when I break the bread, it represents our fellowship together. And I took over the house. I took over the dining room. I took over the meal. I can tell you in 44 years of marriage, that's never happened in my house. I'm the host and people come in. They let me do that. But Jesus broke protocol. Why? For two reasons. Number one, he realized that if he did that, they would recognize him, as it says, in the breaking of the bread. How did they recognize it was the risen Lord in his doing that? Well, it could have been that they saw him break the bread that way for the 5,000 and the 4,000. Let me give you my theory. One day I was at lunch a couple of years ago with 10 of my friends, guy friends. And as we were around the table, one of the guys gestured, and I saw this big scar on his hand. Whoa, and so I asked him after, what happened to you? And I think that when Jesus took the bread and he broke it, they looked at the bread and they looked at his hand and said, whoa, those are nail prints, this is the Lord. And they recognized him in the breaking of the bread. But there's a second reason. When he took over as host, he assumed the lead position as he had requested all of his ministry when he would say to them, I want to become your Lord and master. I want you to follow me. Your best shot at life is with me in charge. And when you rule your life, you make a mess of it. And I think it was there in this moment that they surrendered their hearts and their lives to him to let them lead. And at that moment, they let him be the host of their lives. And I will tell you, until you turn your life over to Jesus Christ... And let him be in charge. Let him be the leader, the host of your life. You will never burn with passion. You'll never move from mere Christianity to thriving enthusiasm for our Lord. But there's one other step here that inspires passion for the resurrected Lord that I want you to see from this story. It's that we need to share our journey with Christ with others. To share your journey with Christ with others. When you get connected with the risen Lord, you can't keep quiet. You just got to share that with people. And as soon as these two disciples recognized the Lord, he vanished. And I think they were disappointed. And I think they were excited all at the same time. And here's what they decided to do. Remember they had come seven miles that day. It's a long journey when you walk. Seven miles that day, it was nightfall, and he vanished, and they were so thrilled to have recognized the risen Lord in their life, and their hearts were burning within them, that they said immediately, we're going back that seven miles right now to Jerusalem. We're not going to go to bed and wait till morning. I understand how they were thinking. When I was engaged to Marie, I lived in Chicago, and she in Peoria, 170 miles away. One night, I decided to surprise her. And so at midnight, when I got off work, I drove to Peoria to see her, and at 2.30 in the morning, I knock on the door, and her father comes and answers the door with surprise, and he says, what are you doing here? That's when I got the surprise. Laughing almost out of control, her father said, well, Marie just left to visit you and surprise you in Chicago. We literally passed each other on the way and didn't know it. Now, do you think I stayed overnight at her house? and said, oh, wait till morning, and then I'll go see her. Immediately, I turned around, and I went back to Chicago to see her and tell her what had happened. And that's what these guys did. They moved beyond mere Christianity when they got related to the Lord, and they couldn't keep quiet. And when the Lord turns you on, you can't turn off your mouth. You've got to tell people. And that's the whole theme of the book of Acts. They were ignited by the resurrection of Christ, this first-generation group of Christians. And under the threat of persecution, the mentality of the early church is summed up in Acts chapter 4, and verse 12, where it says, We cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when Jesus comes into your life and turns things around and you recognize who he is and what he does, you tell other people. And so I I hope you've caught the point of my sermon today. It is this. Please, please, please don't settle for mere Christianity Don't settle for ritual and religion that's lifeless. Instead, be consumed with who Christ is in a personal relationship that will change your direction and change your life and turn your life around. And today, I trust that you will see that the resurrection of Christ is more than just a fire insurance policy out of hell. It is a dynamic that ignites fire in your soul. For the risen Lord in your life, even when your road is difficult. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes for a minute? I want to speak to you with your eyes closed, that you can think in the quietness and solemnity of the moment without distraction. Today, every one of us is in one of three categories. We're either people who don't claim to be a Christian, or we're mere Christians, or we're Christians who move beyond mere Christianity to passionate, Christianity, and so as you're thinking in silence with your eyes closed Where are you on your journey with Christ today? Are you in category one you're not a believer in Christ? You know he bids you to cry out to him as Savior To move from the familiar to the intimacy. He invites you to begin a personal relationship with him Maybe you're in category number two Your Christian experience is just mere Christianity You know about Jesus, something about the Bible, maybe even come to church. But you don't have a compelling and vital relationship with the risen Lord as the driving force of your life. And maybe you're in category number three. Oh, still imperfect. But you've moved beyond mere Christianity to a passionate relationship with the resurrected Christ. You know, friends, that's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. So if you find yourself today in category one, needing Jesus, or category number two, just kind of a nominal Christian, I'm asking you to take some action steps today. To do something for your soul right now. To do something like those two disciples did on the Emmaus Road, and move beyond mere Christianity to vital Christianity, it'll change your life. Now I don't know where you are, what category you're in, but you do, and God does. And I want to pray for you right now as I close. Father, you who know all hearts know where we are today. You know if we need you. And I pray, Lord, if there's anybody here that needs you as Savior, they come to the realization that's the first big step towards intimacy and familiarity and power. And, Father, for those who might be here and say, you know, I've just been playing a game, and the Lord, I know about him, but I'm not really dedicated and committed that they would turn their life over to you and recognize you in a new way like these two men did on that road. And Father, if we're really excited about you, we know that sometimes there are mountaintops and sometimes valleys. And we know that it's not always sugar-coated and easy. But Father, it's so great to know that you are there as our friend, our guide, and our rock. And so I pray whatever our need today, that you would touch all of our hearts. In Jesus' name on the platform here our little booklets. I want you to know they're free of charge and they say two ways to live. Help you connect in a more vital way with the risen Lord. If that is your need or you know someone that you'd like to share this with today or in the weeks to come take as many as you need. They're on the platform. As I said, they're free of charge. It'll help you and others you know. And now as we come to our final song. Could you pretend that maybe you were those two on that road and all of a sudden your eyes were open, and the enthusiasm you had when you say, It is the Lord. He is risen. Would you sing that way as you stand?